Today's reading will be in Luke chapter 13, verses 22 through 35. He went on his way through towns and villages, teaching and journeying toward Jerusalem. And someone said to him, Lord, will those who are saved be few? And he said to them, Strive to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. When once the master of the house has risen and shut the door, and you begin to stand outside and to knock at the door, saying, Lord, open to us. Then he will answer you, I do not know where you come from. Then you will begin to say, We ate and drank in your presence, and you taught in our streets. But he will say to you, I tell you, I do not know where you come from. Depart from me, all you workers of evil. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves cast out. And people will come from east and west and from north and south and recline at the table in the kingdom of God. And behold, some are last who will be first, and some are first who will be last. At that very hour, some Pharisees came and said to him, Get away from here, for Herod wants to kill you. And he said to them, Go and tell that fox, Behold, I cast out demons and perform cures today and tomorrow, and the third day I finish my course. Nevertheless, I must go on my way today and tomorrow and the day following, for it cannot be that a prophet should perish away from Jerusalem. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem! the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. Behold, your house is forsaken. And I tell you, you will not see me until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this body of believers gathered together in your name. Lord, we thank you for your word and for the truth that it brings to our lives. Father, we ask that you would open our hearts and minds, that we would bury your word in our heart, we may not, that we might not sin against you. Lord, that you would equip us as we go from here into a dying, a dying world, Lord, and you would just help, help us to uh, live in a way that honors you and gives glory to your name. Father, be with Jackie, help him to preach your word, and help us to just be mindful of the things you've done for us. Father, we love you. We ask you these things in Jesus' name. Amen. As we come to the text this morning, I want to remind you, last week, one of the challenges of the earlier part of chapter 13 was this idea of living in an attitude of repentance, maintaining or consistently considering our relationship with God. In other words, having a real relationship. You guys know, we've talked about this idea before, right? Like, maybe you've, you've known someone who said they were your friend. Maybe somebody you hang out with said, Oh, I was talking to such and such, and they said, You guys are friends. And maybe you've had a question in your mind, like, We are? Really? I don't know if we've ever sat down or talked or hung out. or. And that same thing is the thing that the Bible is calling us to. When it says for us... To have a relationship with Jesus Christ, it means that we're pursuing Him, to know Him, speaking to Him. And so we want to have this attitude. Chapter 13, the first 21 verses are are calling us to that. And then prior to that, in chapter 12, we had this concept being laid out for us, the idea of being ready when the Master comes, right? Be ready... When the master comes, if the servant was living his life ready, looking for the return of the master, he'd be standing at the door. So when the master came, he could just open the door, right? He's doing, he's looking, he's pursuing, he's, he's active in this relationship, in this call and direction that God has given. And so as we look at this section this morning, he begins by saying, now Jesus, he went on his way through towns and villages, teaching and journeying toward Jerusalem. Now every time we look at the Gospels and it talks about that idea, Luke is building up to something. Something's coming, right? In Jerusalem. What happens when Jesus gets there? So we know that he's moving to the culmination of his earthly ministry. He's moving in a direction to to culminate that. And and it's teachings and his miracles and his healings and the way that he's touching people's lives are all building to the crescendo, 
right, that is about to come. And as he's heading and as he's facing that direction, someone comes to him and says, Lord, will those who are saved be few? Well, God, is only a few, are only a few going to make it? I like it because Jesus does what he always does, and he answers the question we should ask. <laughs> More than he answers the question that is asked. If he wanted to say, only a few will be saved, he could have just said, yes. Right? But that's not what he does. He takes it as an opportunity to teach. So as it says, and he said to them, strive. I'm going to stop right there. He says, strive. And what you can't see in the Greek, the Greek word here for strive is agonatsomai. Agonatsomai means to Strive earnestly. Strive now. Don't wait. Now remember what we talked about in chapter 12. What was the call? Be ready when the Master comes. Be ready. Instead of asking, who's going to be here with me? Strive now to enter. Strive now to make sure that your relationship with Jesus Christ is true and real. Look, we've all seen Christian movies, and maybe in those movies it has been expressed to you the idea of someone who professed themselves as a Christian and was not. Or perhaps you know of people that used to sit next to you in church, used to be a part of, of what is going on, but today they're not. And we comfort ourselves sometimes by saying, well, you know, when they were... When they were younger or earlier on, they professed a faith, and we're just going to trust that, that that faith is going to carry them through. But Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus says, strive now. There was a period in my life, I can't tell you, there was a period in my life for 13 years, if you said, God is waiting for you on that hill, I was in the valley as far away from that hill as I could be. Here's the wrong question. Jackie, were you saved then? How am I supposed to answer that? I didn't die then, so I can't tell you. Here's what I can tell you. I professed faith before then, and God said, strive now. Strive now. Come to me now. Be pursuing me. Jesus said, if you abide in me, I what? I abide in you. We all know that. We all hold fast to it. I'm not trying to argue yet. Maybe later. Monday morning at coffee we can argue. But one of, what I'm not trying to argue, I'm not trying to get into a debate about once saved, always saved. That distances us from the truth of what the Word is calling us to. Jesus was asked, are there going to be only a few who are saved? And he says, first thing, first part, strive now. Strive now. In other words, don't wait till when? Don't wait till tomorrow. Is it a good thing to, to backslide for 13 years? So at best we can all agree that's a bad idea, right? Is it being ready when the Master comes? No, it's the opposite of everything Jesus is teaching, right? So, so rather than getting distracted by theological principles, let's just focus on what he's saying. Strive now. Agonatsamai. Struggle. Contend earnestly for the faith. Contend, strive right now. What's he say? Strive now to enter through the narrow door. Now we might look at that and say, he says strive to enter through the narrow door, so if there's a narrow door, only a few people can come. Is that true? If I take them two doors out the back and I just put one door there, does that mean less of you can come in? Well, last I checked, it just may limit how many people can come in at once. I don't know, but the point of the narrow door is that the narrow door may be missed. Because broad is the path that leads to destruction. The Broadway, wide open gate. Hey, that, everybody's going there. We should go there. 
The point of the narrow door is not that only a few may pass. The point of the narrow door is the narrow door can be missed because the majority, the group, the, the mob rules, right? The mob sees the Broadway. And you may just get yourself caught up in the mob. Anybody in their past ever spent some time with the mob? I spent a lot of time walking the Broadway, and I don't want to argue where, where I was with the Lord. I can tell you I wasn't where I needed to be. I needed to strive now to find the narrow door, to be obedient to God's way. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able now keep in mind, what's our context as we've been working our way through here? Our context is to be what when the Master comes? Ready when the Master comes. The next thing he moved into was having an attitude of repentance. Right, so we have an attitude of repentance. We're maintaining our relationship with God. We're pursuing a relationship with God. He says many are going to seek to enter. But they're not going to be able. Now he's going to build on that concept. But here's what I want you to gather from it. Now is the time. Today is the day. Tomorrow the door may be closed. Today the door is open. Now is the time. Heed the call. Today is the day of salvation. The Bible never says tomorrow is the day of salvation. Because the Bible wants us to react to the word of God when? Now. React to what God's word is saying now. At this moment, be ready. Listen to what the word of God calls us about the narrow gate. In Psalm 118, verse 19, listen to what it says. It says, open to me the gates of righteousness that I may enter through them. And give thanks to the Lord, for this is the gate of the Lord, and the righteous will enter. The ones who are pursuing the Lord, they're going to come through the gate. They're looking for the door. Why? Because at the door, just like the Proverbs would declare to us, and the Proverbs would declare like this, Lady Wisdom is calling you to come follow her, right? Come follow me. Jesus is a, is a manifestation of the idea, the concept of Lady Wisdom as he appears on the Gospels, stands before mankind and says, come follow me, right? I'm going to take you on the narrow way, the way people miss. I want to show you, I want to direct you to the path of life. Matthew 17, verse 13, again, this same teaching says, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide. And the way is easy that leads to destruction. In other words, you really don't have to do anything to go to hell. You don't have to work at it. You don't have to strive for it. You don't have to look for any particular way at all. Basically, just don't do anything. That's the easy way, the path of destruction. It says, those who enter it are many, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And there are few, and those who find it are few. It's not going to be the mob that sees the narrow door. It's going to be the individual. The man or woman who says, I actively want to pursue a relationship with God, with the God of the universe, who has made a way for me to have a relationship with Him, who has given opportunity whereby I may be forgiven, of my sins, which are many, who has given me the opportunity to see my brokenness purged as He touches me. And the clean makes me clean. As He is able to perfect in me this work that He has begun. That is what the narrow path is for. I think in a lot of ways the church has done a disservice to simply say, look, if you were three years old and you prayed a prayer to ask Jesus into your heart, you're saved forever and you never have to worry about it nor pursue Him. Here's my question. Where's that? In the Bible. 
In the Bible, the Lord calls us to not, please, don't get confused. I'm not saying this is works righteousness. I know you'll want to argue with me Monday morning. I'm not talking about works righteousness. I'm just talking about somebody who's sincere. Right? Someone who's sincere in saying, I'm going to follow Jesus. And you all know the difference of that in a human relationship. You all know it. Because you've all had those human relationships where you say, that was not really a relationship. That marriage, my husband or slash my wife, they never one time pursued me. They didn't really love me. They didn't really care about me. And we see those relationships break and fall apart. Because we would say they were not real. It's not sincere. There was no pursuit. God is calling us to pursue Him. He wants faithful love. Hosea 6, 4, right? Faithful love. God wants faithful love. The knowledge of Him. He says, I want you to know me. There's not a friend I have that I don't want to know me. There's not a person that I have a relationship with that I don't want to be able to engage with and talk to and spend time with. There are children that I, that, oh, I didn't give birth to. My wife gave birth to. They're my kids and I want a relationship with them. And there is no relationship if there is no communication. There is no relationship if we never talk. So I comfort myself by saying, I'm always going to be their father. Are you? I guess in biological standards. But most of us would say it's far more important to be a real father. No? Than it is to be biological. To really care. I think this is the point. And God has this passionate plea with the nation of Israel in Deuteronomy chapter 30. If you guys flip over there, Deuteronomy chapter 30, God has a passionate plea with His firstborn. Israel is my firstborn. That's what God declares in Exodus. And He's having this discussion with His firstborn and He says to him, Listen, I'm going to ask you guys to divide in this valley. Put some priests on this mountain and some priests on that mountain. And I want them to declare from the mountaintops what happens if you pursue me and what happens if you don't. And so if you pursue me, they shout down all the blessings. And if you don't pursue me, they shout down all the cursings. In Deuteronomy 30 verse 15, here's what the Lord God says. See, I have set before you today life and good. Death and evil. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you today by loving the Lord your God. How do I obey your commandments? How do I obey your commandments, Lord? It's so complicated. 619 commandments, so complicated. He says, if you obey my commandments by loving the Lord. How hard is it to honor your wife? It's not hard if I... Oh, you guys are starting to catch on, right? It's not that hard to honor your husband if you... It's not that hard to obey the Lord if I love Him. I want to honor Him. I want to glorify Him. He says, To obey the commandments of the Lord that I command you today by loving the Lord your God, part one. Number two, by walking in His ways. What's his ways? What's walking in his ways? Take the narrow, right? The narrow path, the narrow gate, the narrow way. Hear, Lady Wisdom, call and beckon and say, come, follow me. Hear, Jesus Christ, say, come, follow me, right? This is not the way everybody else is going. By walking in my ways, by keeping his commandments, statutes, and rules. That word keeping, same as treasuring and honoring, does it matter to you? Does what God says matter? Remember we go back to it's not hard to honor my wife if I 
I love her. I may not always understand why it's important to her that I pick up my clothes. Right? Does the Bible say you need to understand why it bothers her anywhere? It just says to do what? Love her. Because if you love her, it matters to you. Because you love her. It matters to me what God says because I love him. He says, your life shouldn't look like this. It matters to me because I love him. You shouldn't talk like that. It matters to me. Why? Because I love him. I don't need 619 commandments or 10,000 commandments. I need one. What's the one commandment I need? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love God and it's easy. I just need to love him. And that's what he wants. Yeah? That's what it means, a relationship, right? He wants this relationship. So, he says, keep these statutes, then you shall live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you're entering into to take possession of it. But if your heart turns away, and you will not hear, and are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you will perish. You shall not live long in the land you are going over the Jordan to enter and possess. And then listen to what he says. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today. See, I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life. Come with me and live. Come with me and live, is what the Lord is saying. That you and your offspring may live. How do we live? Loving the Lord your God. Obeying the voice and holding fast to Him. For He is your life and length of days. He is my life. He is what I need that you may dwell in the land of the Lord, swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. In the Old Testament, God laid out this idea. There's two ways. The way of destruction and the way of life. The way of destruction is broad. It's not hard to find. The way of life is narrow. You have to choose it. You have to choose. You have to want to follow the way of wisdom. Then in Luke 13, verse 25, he gives an illustration he wants us to understand his point. What, what point are you trying to make, Jesus? Listen to what he says in verse 25. When once the master of the house has risen <coughs> and shut the door, and you begin to stand outside and to knock at the door and say, Lord, open to us, then he will answer, I do not know where you come from. What's he talking about? What did the master close? What door? The narrow door, right? So Jesus is saying, strive now. Look, you're worried about everybody else. Listen, God is pleading with his people. Strive now to enter. Because the day will come when the master will close the door. And then you beat on the door and you shout from the outside. You say, Lord, let us in. And he says, I don't know you. If I come beat at your door at one in the morning and you don't know me, are you going to open it up? Nope. You're going to call the people with the funny little wagon to come pick me up, take me away, or shoot me. It's Idaho. Anything could happen. (laughs) I don't sneak in nobody's house at night. No, 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 no. Bad idea. No, this one, he's knocking. They're, they're wanting to come in. He says, I do not know where you come from. Who are you? And then you began to say, well, we ate with you and we drank in your presence and you taught in our streets. Now take it to where Jesus is. Who, where is he? He's going on his way to Jerusalem. And on the way, he's stopping and eating with people. He's teaching them. He's telling them about the truth of the kingdom of God. 
and what it takes to enter into that kingdom. And as he's laying it all out, he says, one day you're going to come to me and you're going to say, but Lord, we ate with you. I I sat at the same table with Jesus. But sitting at the table of Jesus doesn't really mean anything. The question is, did you enter the narrow gate? Did you come in? Lord, we, we ate with you and we walked with you and we drank in your presence and, and you taught here. We sat under your teaching, Lord. But listen to what he says. I say to you, I do not know where you come from. Depart from me, what? You workers of evil. You don't have to do nothing to be on the broad path. And you don't have to do nothing to be a worker of evil. This is where 90% of the world gets it wrong. We always say, well, I'm a good person. I'm a good... I cringe when people tell me that. Well, you're a good person. Or people even say, they're good Christian people. Let me help you guys. That doesn't exist. We are broken people in need of the touch of the Master's hand to just get through a day. I mean, that's just truth. And if if you believe in something else, you're not being honest with yourself. How many times do you have to lie before you're a liar? Okay, then we've got the, the, it should be solved, right? Because the Bible, one of the, in every list of those not going to heaven, a liar is present. Everyone. Well, I, I just thought I had to be homosexual or something. No. You just got to be a liar. That's it. My dad used to tell me, you lie, you fry. That's what the Bible says. <laughs> we, we are, gosh, please here. We are in need of a constant touch. We are in need of the constant covering of Jesus Christ every day. We need that. Because I struggle loving my brother. I struggle having the right attitude with my wife every day. And I need God to transform me from the inside out. He's working this work. So I need to be presenting myself to Him a living sacrifice. Living sacrifice. Meaning, I'm dead, you're alive, God, fix me. Fix me. Transform me. Not being... Not being conformed to the image of this world, but being transformed by the renewing of my mind. Right? My mind needs to be renewed. How's my mind being renewed? By the Word of God being poured in. By the Spirit of God being poured in. By me surrendering myself to Him. That's a continuous position. All the time. I hear people say, I'm good. I do good things. Well, I don't know how to help you because I'm bad. And I do bad things. And I need to confess daily and repent daily and pursue God. I need to strive now to enter the narrow gate. Long time ago, Kathy and I went on a, on a diet. We don't believe in them anymore. I might be speaking out of turn. Uh, she'll let me know later. But the reality is, if, if I want to be a thin person, I've got to change my life. And somehow we think a relationship with Jesus Christ is different than that. Really? A relationship with Jesus Christ is not, there's no change involved? Nothing happens. Bible says something happens. I become a new creation. Yes? It's not about me willing. Listen, don't miss this. Don't be so annoyed with me right now. You can't hear me. It's not about willpower. Me willing myself to be good. 
me willing myself to keep a list of do's and don'ts, not about will, it's about surrender. I surrender to him, and he does the work. Yes? I surrender to him. Lay down my life. What's he saying to these people? You're, you're workers of evil, and you're, you can't come in. You can't come in. I don't, I don't ever want to be guilty of comforting someone who is living in a life of sin by saying, well, you're saved, don't worry about it. I, it makes me nervous. It makes me concerned, you know. I, it's not my concern. God's the one who saves, so, right? But shouldn't we tell them to strive now to enter the narrow gate? Shouldn't we tell him, pursue now, relationship with Christ? Pursue it. Go after him. God, it's not like God's playing hide and seek and he doesn't want you to find him. Look at the target. You have a good chance of hitting it? Look at him. Come to him. Look what verse 28 says. For in that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Good place or bad? Okay, when you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you are cast out. Now, please keep in mind, Jesus is talking to those people on the street. He's been walking with and ministering to, and they all believe that they're in. To me, that's the comparison. They're all they believe they're in. Why do they believe they're in? I'm a Jew. Abraham's my father. By blood, I'm in. I'm saved. I'm good. I'm covered. It's all good. And Jesus says, man, there's going to be weeping and gnashing of teeth that day when you're outside the narrow door asking to come in and God's going to say, who are you? You're not part of the family. And you're, and you're not able to come in and you see the prophets that you stoned. You see the the prostitutes and the people that you said, they can't be there. But you yourself are left outside because you presumed everything's good. Like I read the book of Hebrews. We all studied the book of Hebrews together not that long ago. There are four very distinct warning passages. Very distinct warning passages. Those warning passages have no warning if they're not possible. Why would I warn you about something that's not... Warning, fire's hot, don't touch it. Why does that warning work? Because fire's hot. Because one of us didn't listen and we touched it. Yeah, oh, fire's hot. Warning passage works the same way. Strive now to enter. When we took communion, right? Paul, when he taught them, he said, Let a man examine himself so that he can partake of the Lord's Supper in a worthy manner. Paul would declare to the people, Make your election sure. All of that is just language of pursuit. Language. I can't say where you are or where you aren't if you don't pursue them. I can just say it's not good. The Bible describes the door being closed and the people outside saying, wait a minute, I'm supposed to be in there. Yes? There, there are people who believe they're good. There are people who believe they've, they've done good things and their, and their life was in line with what the Scripture teaches and they... They followed the feast days and they did the sacrifices and they completed the sacraments and they did all of those things, yet they're outside the door. I just don't want anybody to be outside the door. Strive now to enter. Strive now. Examine yourself. I don't want to be in a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth saying, why isn't this place open to me? Look at verse 29. It says, And people will come from the east and west. 
and the north and south. So that means people will come from where? Everywhere. Remember, he's talking to Jews who all think it's a birthright. It's a birthright. The comparison, that's the comparison for me. Do we think our relationship is a birthright? That something we deserve? I grew up in the United States of America. I'm patriotic. Or have we striven? Have we entered the narrow door? Have we come in? Have we come in? Jesus asked plainly, Lord, how do I, how do we come, how am I saved? And he plainly says, believe on him whom the Father sent. In John chapter 1, it's not hard. To as many as believe, to them gave he the power to become the children of God. Family, right? Family. To all who believe in his name. It's not about doing or doing. It's just saying, man, is that real? Has that? Is that who I am? Is that really what I have done? Because it says people are going to come from everywhere and recline at the kingdom of God. They're all going to be gathered. This is why I say it's not... It doesn't sound like a few, right? In the sense of there's not very many. It sounds like the invitation went out to whosoever will strive to enter the narrow door. Who will hear the call of Lady Wisdom saying, come follow me. Who will hear Messiah Jesus, the Son of God, declaring to us the way of salvation, come and follow me. Come. Enter in. How do I enter in, Lord? Believe on me. Trust in me. Put your faith in me. And come on through. Come on through. He's inviting us. He's calling us. He's directing us to come. And then he finishes this idea in verse 30 by saying, Behold, there are some... Who are last, who will be first. Okay, let's make it practical. Who's likely to be last? Jesus is there talking, a bunch of Jews gathered around. And they're all there. In fact, even today, when they die, they all want to be buried on the Mount of Olives. Why? Because the Bible says Jesus is going to come back and put his feet on the Mount of Olives. And they want to be first. Because they're where? They're there. If I'm all the way in the United States and I'm dead and Jesus comes back to the Mount of Olives, is a ripple. He hits, boom, and the ripple goes, takes longer, so now I might be last. So listen, there are many, there are many, or some here, there are some who are last who, who will be first. There are some who are far away, but they're going to make it to the kingdom of God before some of you who are here right now. There's some way out there. Maybe that's you. Maybe, maybe that was me. There's some way out there. They're, they're going to make it first. They're going to come. They're going to strive to enter the narrow door. They're going to want to be ready when the master comes. They're going to have a life of repentance. Pursuing Christ. Pursuing Him. There are some who are closest... There are some first who will be last. The master's going to close the door. And immediately, Jesus is teaching. He's now going to talk about the fate of Jerusalem and him. Jesus and Jerusalem are linked. He's going to say, the Pharisees are going to come to him in verse 31. And they're going to say to him, in that same hour, get away from here, for Herod wants to kill you. Now, isn't that funny? The people who want to kill you telling you somebody else wants to kill you? Herod wants to kill you. So Jesus said to them, go tell that fox. Behold, I cast out demons and perform cures. Today, tomorrow, and the third day, I will finish my course. I'm on a mission. And Herod can't touch me. I'm going to finish my mission. One day. Two days. Three. Think that's accidental? 
on the third day, I will finish my, I'm going to complete my task. I'm going to accomplish my purpose. I'm going to have paid the way. I'm going to take the narrow door and I'm going to bar it open. And I'm going to call everyone, whosoever will, come and enter the narrow door. Come and believe. Follow me. Pursue me. Love me. And the rest will be easier. Just make that decision. In verse 33, he says, Nevertheless, I must go on my way today and tomorrow and the day following, for it cannot be that a prophet perish away from Jerusalem. Jesus is going to tell a parable about a man who owns a vineyard. And as the day of harvest comes, he He's trying to make his deal with those who are taking care of his vineyard. And so he sends his servants. And they beat him. And he sends another servant. And they kill him. And he sends another servant. And they kill him. And he sends another servant. And they kill him. And then finally he says, You know what? I'll send my son. They're going to honor my son. And so he sends his son. And when his son comes to the vineyard, the vineyard owners say, This is the heir. We kill him and this can all be ours. And then Jesus asked, what's the owner of the vineyard going to do? Just a human condition, right? Put yourself in the story. It's a human story. What would your attitude be? I know mine. Jesus says, man, I'm going to work today, tomorrow, and the next day, and I'm headed to Jerusalem. Does he know what's going to happen there? It's not a shock, right? He's going... He set his face like flint to Jerusalem. It's time to go. It's time to accomplish my purpose. It's time for this nation to reject me finally. And for salvation to go to the uttermost parts of the earth. I'm going to Jerusalem and Herod can't stop it. I'm going to Jerusalem and the Pharisees can't stop it. I'm going to Jerusalem. That's where I'm going. And then he declares this in verse 34. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. Pick your prophet. In Second Chronicles 24, verse 20, it says that the Spirit of God clothed Zechariah, the son of Jehoiada, the priest, And he stood above the people. And he said, Thus says God, Why do you break the commandments of the Lord so that you cannot prosper? Just want you to picture the prophet standing up before the people saying, Guys, guys, we're presuming that we have everything that we need because we're the nation of Israel. But you don't love God. You're not pursuing God. And God's judgment is on its way. Why do you break it so that we cannot prosper? Because you have forsaken the Lord. He is forsaking you. When the prophet speaks, when Jonah went to the Assyrians, who were horrific people, and he was angry about having to be there, and he stomps through the, you know, he got, you guys all know the whale swallowed by the fish, the whole deal, right? And so he's stomping through the city angry and he says, 40 days from now, God's going to send his judgment and you're all dead. Woo! Everybody loves that message, right? Yet the people, starting with the king, the king takes off his crown, his robes, puts on sackcloth and ashes, humbles himself before God and repents. And the whole nation followed him. Here, Zechariah is standing before God's people in Jerusalem. Guys, we're out of shape. We're, we're, we're a mess. We're, we're saying we're the people of God, but we serve other gods. We're saying that we have this attitude toward, 
toward a holy God. He's chosen us. We're His chosen people. Everything's squared away for us, but there's no pursuit of God. There's no real relationship. Uh, in fact, God says he, he hates our prayers and He hates our sacrifices and we should stop doing it as long as this is going to be our attitude. So the people have an opportunity. Repent. It says in verse 21 of Second Chronicles, But they conspired against him, the prophet, and by command of the king they stoned him with stones in the court of the house of the Lord. They stoned him in the temple courtyard. What's he guilty of? Calling God's people to repent. Calling God's people to turn. And Joash the king did not remember the kindness of Jehoiada, Zechariah's father, had shown him, but killed his son. And when he was dying, he said, May the Lord see and avenge. So Jesus says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, a city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. He identifies Jerusalem not as God's chosen people, but as the place of blasphemy and apostasy. The very ones whom God has sent His prophets to say, Turn. The people are guilty of working out their own definitions of faithfulness. Even when those definitions contradict what God's people were telling them. So Jesus laments. He laments. He weeps over. He laments over the paradox of a city called or known as the city of God. Who persistently reject those sent by God to her. Jesus says, that's where I got to go. That's where a prophet's supposed to die. Here, he, 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 he begins his lamentation, and then he, he lays out this picture of his love. Listen, how often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings? Does that sound like a God who doesn't want you? He says, I want you. Come, and I will cover you. Come, and I will lay my wings over you, and I'll shelter you. I want you. Come, I want you. The book of Hosea is all about God proclaiming himself to be the husband of an unfaithful woman. And the story of Hosea is going to that unfaithful woman when nobody else wants her. And everyone else has thrown her out and declaring to her, I want you. Will you come? Will you come? How often I've wanted to gather you. What's the next phrase? The picture of God's love, I want to cover you. But the problem of our hearts, you were not willing. Strive now to enter the narrow door. Strive now. Come. Verse 35. Behold, your house is forsaken. Jesus makes the proclamation. Your house is empty. It's gone. God's hands off. Behold, your house is forsaken. And I tell you, you will not see me until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. The Lord declares judgment upon Jerusalem for her rejection. That happens in 70 A.D. Jerusalem perishes and the nation ceases to exist for 2,000 years. So after the rejection by Jerusalem's children, Jesus is going to ascend into heaven and there wait until the day that he returns. He will not be seen again before that day when he comes and on that day Jerusalem will declare, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Jesus 
accomplishes his purpose. He has paved the way so that whosoever will may come. Ephesians chapter 1 lays it all out. All the blessings, the bracha, the blessings that we have in Christ. How do I get in Christ? I come through the narrow door. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13, 14, somewhere around there it says, and you, I'm putting my words in, enter through the narrow door. You were found in Christ when you heard the word and believed. That's how you got in. You heard the word, you believed. You became a new creation and you pursue Christ. It's a lifestyle. I now hear the voice of my Savior calling, follow me. And I want to follow him. I want to go where he goes, love who he loves, minister to who he calls me to minister to. I don't want to make comfortable those for whom that's not true. Hear the voice of your Savior calling. Follow him. Be men and women of repentance ready for the day when the master comes so that you can open the door. Because the day will come when he'll shut it. Now's the time. Today's the day. Let's not excuse ourselves. The Bible says that if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. You do not have to be judged. You don't have to feel yourself under the condemnation of the word. It's really simple. If the word is condemning me, if I feel condemned or, or uh, judged by the word of God, it's easy. Easy fix. You want the easy fix? Lord, I'm sorry I was wrong. Will you forgive me? I want to follow you. That's not complicated. That's not complicated. Lord, I want to follow you. Every day, every moment of my life, that's how it looks. I don't want to be presumptuous. I don't want to just assume that no matter what I do, it's all okay. I want to flip it and say, if that's true, if I can live a life of lackadaisical nothingness and somehow find the narrow door, what if I flip it and say, you know what, instead of that, I'm just going to pursue the narrow door. I'm just going to pursue abiding in Christ. I'm going to pursue falling in love with Him. I'm going to pursue knowing Him and wanting Him and following Him. Is that bad? Is there some negative to that type of life? If not, then why not make that ours? The pursuit of something better, something greater, something bigger than us all. For he is worthy. Amen? Why don't you stand with me? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this opportunity we have to study your word. And God, I just ask that anything that I shared this morning that comes from uh, my flesh, God, just wash it from our minds. But what is left behind, God, I pray that it would be your word and your spirit calling us, directing us to you. Lord, I pray that our heart's desire would be to pursue you, to know you, to love you, to walk with you, to strive now. I go not so my enter the narrow door. God, I thank you for everyone that's here this morning because this is these are the people that, that you brought here for me to share this message, this call on my life, on my heart. I pray, God, they hear the love of your voice saying, how often, Jackie, oh Jackie, how often I've wanted to gather you together.
to bring you in, to cover you with my wings. But you weren't willing. God, I pray that our heart would be, I'm willing, God, I'm willing. I'm willing. Lord, move in our hearts by your spirit. Ignite us with your holy fire and accomplish your purpose in our world because our world is a mess. And it's really not that much different than the crazy world at the time in Jerusalem when Jesus came. With one hand I profess you and with the other hand I deny you and it ought not be so. May we lay hold of your promise. May we just come to you and say, Lord, I believe. I trust you. I love you. And I want to strive now to enter that narrow door. I don't want to talk about the possibilities. I just want to come. For Lord, you declared, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You said, take my yoke upon you. Be yoked to me. That means I got to go in the same door you're walking through. Find rest for your weary souls with him. Find peace. Because I'm finally at peace with God. Now I'm not at war with you, God. I'm at war with me. But you, Lord, are right. And every man a liar. I just need, God, your spirit empowering. Your church. Unifying. Your church. That you might be glorified in your world. As we actually begin to show what it's supposed to look like. Submitted, committed, surrendered, knees bowed before our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. God, I pray even as we close in worship this morning and we have prayer counselors come forward. If there's anybody here today who has not entered the narrow door, then I just pray elders be up here. And if you feel like God's saying, I should go up there and be available for prayer, then there's your sign. Come. But if anybody, as we close and we worship, and we, I just pray that we hear the urgency of Jesus. Strive now. Come now. Come now. If something's wrong, make it right now, not tomorrow. That you would be glorified, Lord. So we give this time to you now. And your spirit move in this place in Jesus' name. Amen.